Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, I'm going to walk you through five mistakes that I made that I was job searching. And if you gave me a time machine, I would go back and I would change or do all of these things differently. Because when I started my job search, I was probably a lot like you, maybe even further behind. I just graduated from college. I was a couple months into my job. One, I had a terrible GPA, I had terrible grades in school, so that wasn't helping me. I had a biology degree and I wanted to get into tech, so that wasn't helping me. I was working in healthcare and again, wanted to get into tech, so that wasn't helping me. But I still went down this path and I applied to over 300 companies I interviewed at dozens and dozens and dozens of companies, and I didn't get any results until basically 15, 18 months down the road. It took me a super long time to finally start to figure out what I needed to do, what I was doing wrong, and how to be effective in this search. So this is my reflection on the five biggest mistakes that I made that had I done those things differently, had I recognized these early on, I would have gotten results a heck of a lot faster. So hopefully you'll avoid these as well. Let's dive in. The first mistake that I made was investing too much into the same system. So when I started my job search, I went to the same people that we all go to for advice, right? I went to my friends. I went to my parents. I went to the career counselors at my school and my alumni development office. And I asked them, you know, how can I make this transition? How can I go from where I'm at now having the background that I have to tech? And they all told me the same thing, which was essentially a breakdown of the traditional process. Update your resume, find jobs online, apply for them and cross your fingers and hope to hear back. And if you don't hear back, then get back out there and keep applying to more more jobs. And it wasn't until I'd submitted 300 applications essentially and didn't get any results that I realized that this system wasn't working for me and I had to find a new way in the door. Now, this isn't something that you're going to be able to figure out, nor should you try to change after 10 or 20 or 30 or even 50 applications. But once you start to get to the 100 application mark or the 150 application mark and the things that you're doing aren't working, assuming that you are testing and analyzing and iterating It's time to find a different path. And there are many, many, many different ways to get a job. So just because everybody else is doing one thing, just because everybody else is investing in this same system, doesn't mean that you need to invest in that system in order to get a job. In fact, you probably shouldn't because you're your own unique human, right? And you have your own strengths and your own weaknesses and your own way of approaching things. So finding a new system that is tailored to those strengths, to the way that you like to approach things is probably going to lead to better outcomes. The second mistake that I made was believing that a, quote, good resume was all I needed to get hired. Now, this is a trap that a lot of us fall into, and this is the reason why people go pay resume writers tons and tons of money to write their resume. What they think is that, well, if I just have a good resume, I'm going to get hired. I'm going to start getting noticed, like everything's going to change. And don't get me wrong, having a great resume is really important. It's a key part of the job search process, but it is only one part of the process. And it's really most effective for people who have some sort of traditional experience. When you're coming from a non-traditional background, you typically just simply don't have the results and the experience that 
the applicant tracking system, the recruiters who are eventually reading your resume, the hiring managers who are reading your resume after that are looking for, right? And it's going to be really hard to get noticed and stand out with with that being the case. So what we need to do is think about the full spectrum of what we could offer these people, right? These people being folks in the position to hire us. And then we need to say, is a resume really the best way for me to convey my value here? And if it is, great. But if it's not, what could I do differently? And even if it is, what else could I do that would help increase my value, that would make my value more clear? And there are so many options here, right? You could create a value validation project for this company. You could go put together a video resume and include that with your application or send that with your referral. You could have a portfolio of all of your work online, case studies, et cetera, no matter what industry you're in. Or you could be creating a personal brand, creating content that illustrates your value on some platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, Medium, any of these places, right? These are all great ways to make your value clear and known and quantifiable outside of a resume. And truthfully, that is one of the easiest ways for you to get noticed and set yourself apart. And we're just talking about conveying value in one stage of the process here. Your resume is only one part of the process. Once you get in the door, your resume matters less than your ability to interview well, your ability to convince the people on the other side of the table that you're a great hire. So if you're only relying on your resume, one, you're probably not conveying your value as effectively as you could be, but two, you're also missing out on a huge chunk of the process, which is interviewing, right? So just having a great resume, just having that is not going to be enough to move the needle substantially. You might get a few more interviews, that's awesome, but you need a more holistic job search. And again, going back to the first point, you need a job search that is tailored to your strengths and the way that you like to do things and the way that's authentic to you if you want to see better results. The third mistake that I made was not collecting and analyzing data earlier in my job search. So at the very beginning, I was just tweaking my resume. I was applying to as many jobs as I could find because I was so fed up with not getting results. And then the cycle continued. I wouldn't get more results. I would get even more frustrated. And then I would rush this process even more. And what I didn't do that would have helped me tremendously was get intentional about understanding what changes I was making, why I was making them, and then seeing if the data, the outcomes, matched my hypotheses or proved my hypotheses and then continued to iterate and experiment from there. So something that I started doing once I really committed to finding a new way to approach the job search was I A-B tested every single aspect of the job search and I kept data on this. So for my resume, I would apply for roles and I would do things like include a highlight reel at the top or not include it and just start with my work experience. And then I would see how many interviews I landed from each of those resumes and everything else would be the same on them. So I would compare and contrast and be able to test my hypothesis of whether or not a highlight reel got me more interviews. And then the same thing with networking emails. I would have three different templates that had fundamentally different approaches to engaging with the person I was sending the message to, I would send them each to 20, 30, 40 people. I would look at the data. I would look at how many people opened them, how many people replied to them, how many meetings I booked, how many referrals I eventually got. And then after that sample size of, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, I would remove the lowest performer and I would replace it with either a brand new approach or an alternative version of the approach that was working best. And then I would go back through and push another 20, 30, 40 emails through these templates. So this was something that I did that really helped me become better in every facet of my job search because what I was doing was essentially testing to understand and see what specific changes, what specific strategies, what specific adjustments 
benefited me for my personal search. And over time, what this led to was a highly customized system that was completely focused on the data that I saw was working for me. So all the strategies had data behind them and all that data showed, hey, doing this is gonna increase your percent chance of success, whether it's getting an interview or getting a conversation or whatever it is by you know this amount. And so I knew that what I was investing in, what I was spending my time in was actually proving to get results because I had the data behind it. The other thing that this helped me with that was unexpected was rejection. It was so much easier to get a no from somebody or be ignored by somebody when I knew I was getting a data point, right? So now all of a sudden, if somebody didn't reply to my message or they said no to me, it wasn't a crushing blow. It was a data point for me to say, hey, maybe this template isn't working so I could try a different approach next time. And when I gamified it that way, when I sort of approached it and made it more numerical and less emotional, it became so much easier to handle and deal with rejection and keep the momentum going, keep moving forward. So that's something else that I learned that was really, really helpful. The fourth mistake that I made was not following up. So a lot of times what I would do is I would apply to a job and maybe I'd get a rejection message and I would just say, all right, too bad, on to the next one. Or I would send a networking email and I wouldn't hear back from the person and I would tell myself, well, they probably didn't want to talk to me, so I'm just not going to follow up with them. Or I got an interview and then I was rejected and I just said, okay, this company is totally done with me. And in all those situations, I left a lot of opportunities on the table because I did not follow up. So for the rejection side of things, both if it's from an initial application or or if it's, you know, you got to the interview process and then you were rejected by sending a thoughtful and kind email back to that rejection saying, hey, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to consider me. You know, I really appreciated X, Y, and Z things about the team or this company or about the, the opportunity for this role. I'd love to continue to stay in touch and be considered for opportunities in the future. But no matter what, I'm wishing you all a ton of success. I want to support you on your journey. When people receive that, that's huge, right? And they want to stay in touch with you. So how you handle rejection can lead to a lot of opportunities that you otherwise would not have gotten if you just threw up your hands and said, well, I guess they don't want to work with me. And then on the networking side of things, the the thing that we don't realize is that people are simply busy. And an email from a stranger is going to be a lower item on the priority list. And what the data actually shows us in sales is that prospects take the most action on follow-up number three, four, five, right? It takes a couple of follow-ups for people to have the time for that to be right and for them to engage. And the same is true with networking. So if you're not following up a couple of times on your networking messages, you're really missing out on some connections that would probably be there but are not simply because you said, well, this person's probably too busy or you just made an assumption and you essentially self-rejected there. So always make sure to follow up at every stage of the search, whether it's after applying, whether it's after you send a networking message, whether it's after an interview that you were rejected from or after an interview that you haven't heard back on. You always, always, always wanna make sure to follow up and be politely persistent. The fifth mistake that I made was hoping that other people would help me or do it for me. And I don't mean that I was hoping that people would give me a little bit of advice here. Instead, what I meant was that I just had this idea in my head that if I got a referral or, you know, because I had, you know, this connection with somebody, I would not have to do as much of the work and that they would do a lot of the work. And this is a misconception that I see a lot of people make, right? They think that, you know, by networking, the other person's going to all of a sudden jump in and start helping them and get into the weeds with them. Same thing with mentors. A lot of people think that mentors are folks who just come in and start guiding you every step of the way. And truthfully, the way that a lot of this works is that you do 90% of the work. You carry the ball to the 10 yard line, if you will. And then that person helps 
you get across the goal line. So they do, or they help with that extra 10%. So when you are doing your networking, when you are building mentorships, when you're going through this process, you are going to have to do the heavy lifting. You're just going to have to accept that. We talked about a lot of stuff so far from, you know, AB testing different scenarios to going above and beyond to illustrate your value, right? These are all things that require additional hours that other people are not doing. That's stuff that you need to do. But the thing is, when you show that you're investing in yourself in a capacity that's beyond what other people are doing, more folks are going to be willing to help you because people just naturally want to help people who are already investing in themselves. People do not want to help people who are just looking for essentially a handout, looking for somebody to come in and do all the work for them. So you need to shift your mindset from, hey, if I connect with this person, they're going to unveil the roadmap and walk me through it step by step to, hey, let me get out there and try as much as I possibly can. And then when I get totally stuck and I cannot find my way out, let me go find somebody to help give me that one piece of guidance that's going to give me that clarity. And then let me know or let them know rather that they did that. Let them know, follow up with them and tell them, hey, you gave me this piece of advice. Here's the breakthrough that it led to. Can you give me another piece of advice? And now all of a sudden we can start to get them more and more invested in the system. So those are the five things that I totally messed up, totally blew when I was job searching. And again, if I had a time machine, I would go back and I would change or adjust all of them. And I probably would have gotten results much, much faster. So I wanted to share them with you in case you're making any of these mistakes so that you can be sure to avoid them and be sure to make the right adjustments through your job search so you can get results faster. That's it for today. Thank you as always for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.